Hello and welcome to Hey, Remember the 80s? I'm Joe. And I'm Carrie. Uh, remember, we're not professional podcasters or music critics. We're just all night radio. Keep on running through your rock and roll soul while we talk about 80s music. So give us a break. Carrie, that sentence doesn't seem right. <laughs> Sorry, I was having a hard that time this me. week finding <laughs> something. It hurt. <laughs> Deal with it. Fine. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you, Joe. Welcome to you. Welcome to any new listeners or any loyal listeners that we found in North Sioux City, South Dakota, East Greenwich, Rhode Island, and Somerset West, South Africa. So you got North, South, East, and West cities. Isn't that cute? Well, the South is a state. I was trying to figure out how you got four directions out of three cities, and then I realized the South Dakota completed the quartet. Okay, I'm dizzy. You know me. I'm a perfectionist, or whatever you want to call it. So welcome to all of those folks, and welcome to everyone else. Please keep up with us on our Facebook at facebook.com slash HRT80S, and our Twitter at HRT80S. Joe, do you have any tidbits this week? There are none in the outline. Okay, well, if you don't have any, <laughs> this isn't even a tidbit. This is barely even a thought. We have to come up with, we, sometimes we talk about those, we, what do we call these, morsels? Right, and this is, it's even littler than that. It's like an atom, but, okay. you know, you and I were just listening to the American Top 40 countdown on the syndicated um, station this week, and I just was listening to <laughs> Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie, mm-hmm. and me and my husband always, you know, there's that one ad lib kind of in the middle when he's like, say you. Say me. Oh. (laughs) Right? Okay. (laughs) So we just sing that after every line. (laughs) And I think someone needs to make a version of that song where after every line, Lionel goes, goes, oh. Yeah. listening to it it just stood out to me how disjointed that song is like when it goes <laughs> when it goes from the ballad part to the like and you say it da, 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 it da, so <laughs> yeah. much quicker in the song than i remembered and maybe we heard an edited version but i was like i swear it was like 45 seconds in i was like bam, 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 bam. yeah it comes out of nowhere All right, well, let's get right into it then, because we've got a big show for you folks. And uh, like we teased last week, we are doing another Billboard flashback. So we're looking at the Billboard issue from February 22nd, 1986. And we're still celebrating Black History Month, so we're going to focus on R&B news and music from this issue. Starting on page six, we've got Chart Beat by Paul Grine. The Paul Grine? (laughs) Is this a joke? Am I supposed to know who that is? Okay, got it. Got it. And he is talking about some fun chart history involving James Brown. Brown had climbed two spots to number five on the Hot 100 this week with his song from Rocky IV, Living in America. 
Dan Hartman co-wrote the track and plays keyboards and provides backing vocals. You can also hear Stevie Ray Vaughan on guitar. Joe, what are your thoughts on living in America? I'd like to wait till the end of the segment before I discuss. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, Grine notes that the last time Brown was in the top five on the Hot 100 was back in 1965 with his signature song, I Feel Good. That's a span of 20 years and two months. Grine also notes that because Starship had jumped over him on the chart, it appeared Living in America would not hit number one. He was right about that. It peaked at number four. Well, who is this guy? Some kind of chart swami? <laughs> so this would mean that Brown would continue as the artist with the most chart hits in history without ever reaching number one. Hmm. Living in America was Brown's 92nd single on the Hot 100. Insane. Yeah. He would get one more in 1986 and is still the artist with the most hits that never reached number one. But over on the R&B chart, Brown had 117 hits, including 17 number ones. Living in America topped out at number 10 on the R&B chart. I find that kind of hard to believe, but I guess it's more of rock influenced. So, Joe, now I'm dying to hear Living in America. I saw the, you know, accomplishments that Mm -hmm. we were going to discuss, and I wanted to do that part first, because I still think, amazing, he had so many chart hits, Mm -hmm. right? And what I think is the best part about this song is this guy from the Edgar Winter Group wrote a song, and he, if you listen to it, every second is like, this is a James Brown song. Like, he just, it's just perfectly him. I wonder, did Dan Hartman write it with him in mind? Or is that something James Brown could just do? I'm sure it's something he could do. I mean, look at the stats. Sure. You know, this is a song that I don't want to like, but it has worn me down over the years. And now I just can't resist it. Like every time it comes on and even the opening part when he's like, dun, 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 dun. And he goes, wow. (laughs) He's like, all right, I'm I'm all in on you, James. (sighs) So I like this song, although James Brown is another person that has some personal issues in his past that kind of give me pause. But the song itself is fine. Yeah, it's fine for me. It's not a like or a dislike. It's it's fine. It's crazy to me that he never hit number one and that he had such a long span without hitting the Hot 100 when he was still doing so well on the R&B chart. Right. On page 14, it's out of the box where programmers reveal why they have jumped on particular new releases, probably because they got tipped off by Paul Grine, who's got (laughs) some kind of crystal ball, right? (laughs) Marvin Robinson of KSOL in San Francisco says he made a gut-feeling ad of Jermaine Jackson's I Think It's Love. Um, Yeah, way to go out on a limb, Marvin, (laughs) picking someone with the last name Jackson. So as we alluded to in the recent episode where we talked about the Jacksons, Jermaine was an R&B superstar. He had 27 R&B hits. Seven of those made it to the top 20 on the Hot 100 as well. The first single from Jermaine's 11th solo album, I Think It's Love, was co-written with Stevie Wonder. I 
It would peak at number 14 on the R&B, 16 on the Hot 100, and it went all the way to number 5 on the Adult Contemporary chart. Jermaine reached the top of the R&B chart twice with Let's Get Serious in 1980, which was another collaboration with Stevie, and with Don't Take It Personal in 1989. Carrie, regarding this song, Mm -hmm. I think it's love. (laughs) You like it. I love it. Oh, good. Yeah, I like this one a lot, too. You know, it's super sweet. And, you know, it's not changing the world, but I just there's something really undeniable about it. It's sweet. So rare to hear it, too, on the radio or on 80 stations that every time it does pop up in a countdown or usually don't hear it outside of a countdown. Am I wrong? No, I don't think I'm hearing this one. Every time it comes on, I'm like, who is this again? I love it. And I'm always surprised that it's Jermaine Jackson because I just didn't think I was a Jermaine Jackson fan. But we've discussed a few of his songs that we really like. And this one really sounds like a Stevie Wonder song. And Stevie Wonder either played with or wrote songs for a lot of different people in the 80s. But I think that Jermaine Jackson and him had a very good relationship. Jermaine was able to take his songs and turn them into something special. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, Joe, let's take... Let's take a look at the new ads on MTV listed on page 29. And when I saw this listing, I was like, what is this? And I had to dig further into this one. It's a song called Stop the Madness by Various Artists. I need to know right up front, Joe, have you ever heard of this before? No. Not only had I never, I watched the video today, I've Mm -hmm. never seen it before, Mm -hmm. never heard the song, never heard about the making of it, never saw any like promos for it, never saw, no. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I don't remember this either, and I'm shocked, I'm shocked, shocked, Because of the people in it. Because of the people in it, because of the subject matter, and because I seriously can't believe that someone has not dug this out and made it like a meme or a joke on the internet. Because this is classic 80s stuff that someone should know about and be parodying or something or other. But anyways, this was an anti-drug music video that was basically produced by the Reagan administration in service of the Just Say No campaign. And you're probably like, oh, okay, then it was a bunch of no names that were involved. Nope. Number one, we've got Herb Albert on the trumpet, which he was still huge at this time, at least in the music industry. For some reason. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And a bunch of different folks singing, including New Edition, LaToya Jackson, and Whitney Houston. I was shocked. I could not believe that she got dragged Uh -uh. into this. So the video is just bonkers. You talked about it a little bit, Joe. I'm not kidding you right now. Everyone stop and go watch this video. Mm -hmm. It's on YouTube. Google Stop the Madness. (laughs) Anti-drug campaign or something because there's some 
more recent song about Stop the Madness that I kept getting. But it's really terrifying. There's scenes of people straight up about to shoot up. Like they just pause short of the needle going into the vein. Right. There are way too many scenes of people doing that thing where they're like the needles in front of their face and they're, you know, squirting a little bit out. Yes. And I'm like, why are there five scenes of this? It's horrible. I mean, I this hate is it. terrifying. Yeah. And like people leaning over, like with their noses hovering over cocaine. I mean, this looks like real life footage. Like, I'm it not did. kidding. It like, really I'm like, did. did they hire people to <laughs> do drugs on camera? <laughs> okay. Then there's this monkey that oh, they that keep monkey. cutting to that oh. I think is supposed to symbolize like someone on drugs because the monkey just seems rabid. Did they give that monkey drugs? I feel like they gave that monkey drugs. That's what we're seeing. And to that, yes. I say, stop the madness. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. So this is all interspersed with boring footage from the studio recording session. It's so jarring. And there's a through line of two people who keep seeing famous people appear to them and shouting at them to stop the madness. For instance, a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar poster comes to life and throws a basketball at a dude who's, I think, about to smoke crack. Smoke a joint or something, (laughs) and like it falls out of his mouth because the force (laughs) of the basketball hitting his head. And on top of this, there are also random celebrities that just lip sync Stop the Madness, like Kim Fields, Nancy Reagan's in there, and Casey Kasem. (laughs) Uh, I was blown away. Carrie, these are literally blink and you'll miss some cameos. When I say Casey Kasem, his Stop the Madness lip sync, he only gets like half a syllable. (laughs) He's literally on the screen for 0.3 seconds, right? Yeah, it's All of these people are. It's really insane. The best part is the girl in the apartment, and she's like, goes to the closet and her drug dealer's in there. Well, I guess if he's close, you know. How could you not do drugs if the guy was living in your closet? (laughs) And she like opens the freezer, and it's the guy from the Goonies who played Sloth, and he's saying, stop the madness, and like he filmed it from his swimming pool. That's kind of out of touch. That's not the guy. He didn't play Sloth. He's in it. I saw him in the credits. <laughs> that's, not, that's Lyle. Elz, I don't know how to say his last name. He was a football player. Alzado? He was one of the guys in Revenge of the Nerds. Lyle Alzado, right? Well, who was Sloth? Hang I don't on. know. <laughs> there were two. And that was John, John Matusak. His name was in the credits, too. Oh, him i'm so sorry (laughs) i'm like you idiot (laughs) although i will tell you when i looked at the credits to make sure and lyle alzado's name was first like oh shit i bet it's that guy (laughs) but then i saw his name and you could be right so the freezer guy could be your guy but i swear they're both in it and why did they look so similar (laughs) i don't know (laughs) I do know what you're talking about. The guy in the pool, I'm pretty yeah. sure, is Lyle Elzado, and I didn't see, I didn't see uh, I can't wait to find out for sure. <laughs> All right, Joe. Well, I want to let you know that the Wikipedia page makes sure to point out that actor Stacey Keach, who also appears in the, frigger- in the refrigerator, <laughs> he was arrested for possession of coke just before this video was released. So, <sighs> I mean, half of the people in this video were probably on coke while they were shooting it. Oh, yeah. And it shows in their performances. But come on, Keech. (laughs) This is total, total insanity. I was so 
tickled to find this, but also just, terrified. yeah, terrified by watching it. If the mission was to get people to stop giving cocaine to monkeys, then they got my money. <laughs> Who do I call? And the credits also say, and appearing in her very first rock video ever, Nancy Reagan. Oh my God. This is so And did garbage. you see the cameo at the end, the trash guy? Oh yeah, Arnold Should Schwarzenegger. Should we spoil it? Yes. <laughs> the two characters from the video who agree to throw their drugs away go to the trash truck that's out there and as they high five or do some kind of, I don't even Yay, know what it is. Yeah, we did it, yeah. Yeah, and then they he turns around and the trash guy was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and he gives a little wink or something. It's creepy, I hate it. Okay, well, no, we don't even need to discuss the song because it's, no, it's not a song. It's not yeah. a song. It's them shouting, stop the madness at us. Yeah. Carrie, we are going to skip over the long advertising section in the middle of the issue discussing exercise videos, because remember, this was 1986. Um, And we're going to get to the R&B chart. At this time, two different charts, sales and airplay, were compiled into the main composite chart, Hot Black Singles. And at number 40 was After You by Bernard Wright, who was a graduate of the High School of Performing Arts in New York City. So think fame. Wright was a keyboardist who had played with several jazz legends in his teens before releasing albums of his own. After You was his sixth and final R&B hit. It would peak at number 23 on the R&B chart. He never hit the Hot 100, though. In the 90s, he started recording gospel music, and now he mentors young musicians in the Dallas area. That's sweet. Yeah. I had never heard of Bernard Wright, and I I like this one. You do? Well, do you also like the song Ain't Nobody by Rufus and Shaka? Because... That's all I could hear. Oh, interesting. You oh, you have such a good ear for that, Joe. You always know what songs sound like other songs. But I will say I liked it. I thought it had a good beat. And I thought it was kind of a good mix of rock and R&B. Like there's a good guitar lick in there. But I didn't like the production. He sounds like he's singing down a tunnel or something. Mm-hmm. And then the drums sound like that drum machine that was so prevalent Mm -hmm. in music at this time. I feel like if it had been produced a little differently, it could have been a real big hit, I think. Yeah, it sounded a little canned. Yes, canned. But, you know, didn't hate it, so would listen again. Yes. Next, at number 28 on the R&B chart, it's Nightmares by Dana Dane. Born Dana McLeese in Brooklyn, Dana Dane got his start as part of Slick Rick's crew. Slick Rick's English accent was real. Dana's was fake. (laughs) He signed his own record deal after graduating high school, but it would take several years for his first album to be recorded. Nightmares would appear on that album, released in May of 87, but it was released as his debut single in late 1985. That she wanted to reveal her face Till my hour was up and I was on my way Now we got to the matter of why I came there I said, Doc, I keep having these crazy nightmares Nightmares of the night Nightmares, they're right Could they just show imagination of reality? 
The single and the album were produced by Herbie Lovebug Azor, who is well known for writing and producing music with Salt and Peppa and having a baby with another woman while dating Salt. Rude. Ugh. But I'm a love bug. <laughs> God, ew. Nightmares would peak at 21 on the R&B chart and reach 38 on the dance sales chart. Dane hit the bubbling under chart a couple times in the mid-90s, but otherwise did not chart outside of R&B. His last album was released in 1995. He was a DJ on Sirius XM's classic hip-hop channel for many years. This one, okay, I did not, I've never, well, I think I have heard the name Dana Dane before, but I didn't know anything about him. Here's where I've heard it, so I gotta get this out because it's killing me. Dana Dane, I had to, like, look up when I was a kid because I heard that Chili from TLC got her start as a dancer for Dana Dane. And I think they even name check him on one of their songs from the first album, but I'm not too sure about that. Okay. Because remember, I was obsessed with all things TLC. Yes. Like I had Andre Risen's jersey (laughs) and wore it to school, even though I'd never seen or touched a football. Oh my God, Joe. That's that's taking it too far. I did go and listen to Dana Dane, but I never had any tapes or CDs, so I must not have been into it back then. But this song's crazy. It is crazy. And I'll tell you about my journey with this song. Mm -hmm. The opening part is so hilarious like he goes into this doctor's office he's like i want to see the doctor the receptionist is like okay what's your name he's like day to day she goes dana dane (laughs) (laughs) and she flips out um the song's fine but my favorite part is the chorus is like he's like nightmares da 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 and he sounds like bismarcky yes so i was really in love with the song the first couple times i don't know there was something about it it seems so over the top and silly to me but then i listened to the lyrics and carrie never listened to the lyrics Mm -hmm. because it's gross some problems it's so bad it's just basically about how some ugly woman is trying to get with him or whatever and he's so disgusted by it and it just goes on and on and gets worse and worse and I was really sad about it, actually, at the end of the day, because I was like, the chorus in the beginning are so funny, and I just really wanted to get into it, and then I can't ever listen to the song again. Well, I was turned off by the receptionist at the doctor's office, because I think HIPAA rule number one, do not, (laughs) if your famous person comes in to be seen, do not scream the name loud enough for everyone to hear, right? Exactly. This song should be called HIPAA Nightmares. (laughs) What if they use this at, like... HIPAA training. They're like, I'm going to play a minute of this Dana Dane song. Tell me what she does wrong. (laughs) I like it, Joe. I like it. (laughs) Yes. Carrie, let's skip up to number two on the chart. We've got Let Me Be The One by Five Star. Didn't you have that binder? Since you hate Trapper Keeper. Oh, was Five Star a Trapper Keeper? Was it like a knockoff? I swear to God, I think I did have Five Star and not Trapper Keeper. Or was Five Star like a kind of Trapper Keeper? I don't know. I think it was a a knockoff. Regardless of binder uh, stationary (laughs) affiliations, the real Five Star was a British group made up of siblings from the Pearson family. And they were huge in the UK with 15 top 40 singles from 1985 to 1988. That's a lot for three years. Yeah, it is. Well, here in the States, they only had nine singles hit the R&B chart in the 80s, and four of those reached the Hot 100. 
Buster Pearson, the patriarch of the family, was a musician who had worked with Wilson Pickett and was inspired to mold his children into a singing group by the Jackson Five. They were sold as a clean-cut family act. When their debut album was released in 1985, the members' ages ranged from 16 to 22. Let Me Be The One was the fourth single released from that album. The song had reached number 18 in the UK in July of 1985, and its place of number two on the R&B chart this week was its peak. It would top out at 59 on the Hot 100. Despite their huge run of hits, Five Star never went beyond number two in the UK, and their highest charter on the Hot 100, Can't Wait Another Minute, in 1986, that one peaked at 41, just a bit outside. Mm Mm-hmm. In the late 80s, they tried to change their image to a more adult vibe with more of a dance flavor. Um, And I guess since we already talked about how many hits they had up until 1988, I guess you know how that went, because their singles would end up charting lower and lower. In 1989, while appearing on a UK children's show called Going Live, a live caller had an interesting question for them. Okay, Elliot, what's your question? I'd like to ask five star where the f***ing clap the Thanks very much, Elliot. Nice to hear from you. I'm sure Tammy would have made a lot more sense. Let's move on to line three. This is horrible. (laughs) So mean. And the coast is just like, oh, thanks for that. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't get over, though. Yeah, I do hate it. I hate it. It's so mean. But also, I don't understand. In the clip, they're all holding up phones to their ears. Like, they're not actually they're listening not connected, to this right? through the phone. <laughs> yes. uh, that's really sad. Now I feel bad for them. I know. Especially when they're just trying to do something different. Oh, God, boy. the balls on that kid. I know. Elliot, get yourself right. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how they recovered, but they released a couple of albums in the 90s that went nowhere, proving Elliot right. And then they broke up around 1995. Various iterations of the lineup have performed together over the years, and just last year, Delroy recruited Doris, Stedman, and Lorraine to add vocals to a new version of Let Me Be The One, released as Let Me Be The One. And you can't tell, but the first one, <laughs> they spelled it out O-N-E, and that second one, you guessed it, it's the number one. Very original. And original lead singer Denise declined to participate. Because she met up with Elliot over the years, and she's <laughs> just kidding. We used to be together, making dreams, making plans. But you left that world behind. Now I'm asking you, won't you give me the world? Maybe give your love to the love you 
It is funny you say that, though, because, like, apparently there's a rift. I mean, they're siblings, but apparently Denise has not enjoyed the reunions that have taken place over the years and didn't want to go in a new direction or something. And mm-hmm. so she's very specifically said, like, I'm not interested in Crazy. in this iteration of Five Star. Ugh. Delroy, is he's now a record producer, and this Let Me Be the One, this new one, is actually credited to some weird group called Vision, which is spelled V-I-I-S-I-O-N. Just spell it right. And featuring Five Star. But it just sounds like the song. It just just sounds like a dance remix of the song. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, yeah. I don't get it. Joe, right when we started to get into 80s music together, sent me from Amazon some CD collection that was like five CDs, like the best songs of the 80s or whatever. But it was obviously like a UK collection because mm-hmm. it had all these crazy songs on it that we had never heard of. And one of them was by Five Star. I don't know where the heck that CD went either. I keep looking for it. Yeah. You know what I'll try to find? You sent me a, you wrote your reactions for each song. Yes. And I wonder if I covered, if I got to the CD that had Five Star on it. I'm going to find it. Okay. But I just remember seeing that name so much Five star, five star in UK stuff and being like, who are these people? It's just like Mel and Kim. That's the first time we heard of Mel and Kim was on that CD. (laughs) And there was a song called Don't Talk to Me About Love. Who was that by? Altered Images, apparently. Yeah. Because then you said, don't talk to me about this song ever again. (laughs) That was your reaction to it. I'm funny. Oh, my God. No, I will find that. It's in my cupboard up here. I'll find him. All right. Well, that is it, folks, for the Billboard flashback from this week. There were some good ones in here. I liked the Jermaine Jackson one. I liked the Bernard Wright one. And I liked the Five Star one. I want to listen to more of the stuff by Five Star. You just feel bad for him from that (laughs) show. But that's fine. Well, Joe, we have one more segment, and it's a very special segment with a very special guest. Yes, yes. that is right. We are introducing a guest <laughs> into, <laughs> halfway into the show, and it is friend of the podcast and friend from life, Michael Deplin. Hello, Michael. Hello, hello. Thank you guys for having me back. Oh, you're very welcome. We love having you on here. So you have an open invitation for every week. Oh. And um, Michael did not prepare for the first part of the episode because I dropped the ball on that. But I want to give you the opportunity, Michael, to give us any reactions about (laughs) quick reactions to any of the songs that we covered. But you know what? I'm just going to ask you specifically. I want to know what you think about Dana Dane. Okay, well, I would file Dana Dane under problematic. (laughs) Good, good. (laughs) You know, but in a lot of early hip-hop, there were a lot of, like, novelty-style raps. Like, there were a lot of, like, Dana Dane-esque kind of people. I mean, not everyone had an English accent, but a lot of, like, childish... No, that makes... I I feel that, yep. You know what I mean? So, like, there's a lot of novelty rappers... You know, at that time. I mean, I would say that Dana Dane actually had the potential to be really good. I mean, he was like under Slick Rick and everything, but I, I mean, Nightmares, I'm not gonna... <laughs> I feel like you you were kind even to Nightmares. <laughs> yes. So I like fun too, but you don't have to like go as far as, as they did back in the day. But it was of its time. But I will say with regard to Five Star, Five Star have a song called Love Take Over. 
Okay. And the video went viral earlier in the pandemic because people were like, this is what it's going to be like when we're outside again. Because it's like <laughs> them on like yachts and like them on like like eating like luxury foods. And it's just like, this is what it's like when we're going to be outside. So it's Love Takeover. Actually, very good song. Highly recommend Love Takeover. Interesting. Wow. So, Michael, on the record, will you say that you were not Elliot? <laughs> well, I was probably like two at the time. So, <laughs> like, no, I was not Elliot. Okay. I completely disregard anything Elliot says. Love Takeover is great. I do not sanction Elliot's actions. This podcast <laughs> does not sanction right. Elliot's actions. Our views are our own and not Elliot's. Yes, yes 100%. Well, Michael reached out to Joe and I when we started this month and said we were going to kind of focus on R&B music in honor of Black History Month. And he said that he wanted to put together a quiz for us. Michael, you did this once before and I had completely forgotten about it. (laughs) I don't know what episode it was, but one of the times that Michael came on before, he quizzed Joe and I, and he's going to do that again. He's put together some clips of songs. And um, is there any theme to this, Michael, or just R&B songs? Uh, There is a slight theme. So the theme Mm. here is going to be producers and songwriters. (gasps) So... Some of these artists and acts had already become famous and then decided to go off on their own. And some of them are, this is them behind the scenes before they emerged and went solo. But all of these acts contain a member who has become like a songwriter or producer. Very interesting. All right, now I've got a couple people in mind that I'm just going to throw out when I don't know <laughs> the answer. <laughs> all right, we'll take it away, Michael. All right, great, great. Carrie goes first, and then Joe can steal, and then we'll alternate. All right, we're going to start here with number one. This New York City duo innovated synths into their R&B hits, but I wouldn't call them mechanical. As session musicians, they famously played on hits for Chaka Khan, Phil Collins, and Ntume. But as songwriters, they helped with the bubblegum pop boom in the 90s with hits with 98 Degrees, Christina Aguilera, and Dream. As a duo themselves, their best peak was number four on the Hot 100 and number one on the R&B with an unmistakable track. But this one went to number 10 R&B, 14 on Dance, and 64 on the Hot 100. There was so much good information in your lead up. And then I know I know this song, but uh, I'm going to guess that this is the system. Mm. That's correct. Oh, God. That's so good. But I don't know what the name of the song. They had a song that was something like the system, but I don't know. I can't say for sure. I don't know the title. Joe, do you have a guess of the title of the song? Well, just because she went there, I was going to guess You Are In My System. That is the name of the song. Ah, That is correct. (laughs) You gave too much info. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to say one and one for each of you. 
And yes, that is, you are in my system. And when I was a child, I misheard that to say, you are in my sister. And I did not understand, did not understand why that was bad or wrong. So (laughs) I knew the stuff about them being session musicians. I didn't know that they worked with all those artists in the 90s. Yeah. David Frank, he wrote on The Hardest Thing. Uh, I think mm. he did Genie in a Bottle as well. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, they kind of endured even in the 90s. So yeah. yeah. And those songs you just mentioned are ones that I loved. So he stayed in my system. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> system. <laughs> yeah. okay. mm, with an yes. M at the end. Yes. Okay. Number two. This far from average group was headed by an R&B super producer who would come to define not just the sound of New Jack Swing, but R&B for the next two decades in two distinct groups. But today we're talking about his first foray. This single was the only song, bafflingly, to make the Hot 100 at 70, despite it being a number two R&B hit. Six songs from this album still play on R&B stations to this day and charted heavily on the R&B charts. Now reality Each and every time You are here with me The touch You give me with your hands When you caress my skin I'm under your command Girl, you hypnotize me with your eyes It took me some time It has to be Guy It is Guy I do not know the name of the song. Okay, okay. Carrie, do you know the name of the song? No, I have no idea. (laughs) I want to know the name of it, though. I want to listen to it. (laughs) That was I Like by Guy. When did it hit number 70? That had to be like late 1988, I would think. Okay, Mm -hmm. all right, perfect. Yeah, but I mean, that first Guy album, it has so many great songs like Groove Me, Teddy's Jam, mm-hmm. It Has I Like, It Has a Piece of My Love. Like, all these songs still play on R&B stations. Goodbye, Love. All these songs still play on R&B stations, like, to this day. It's just a really fantastic album and just innovative for that whole genre mm-hmm. for, like, the next five years, so. Yeah. Well, I like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you do. Yeah, <laughs> definitely listen to more Guy. I have nothing but good things to say about them. Okay, number three. This group of standouts, co-created by Soul Train master Don Cornelius, had success in the late 70s, but really came into their own in the 80s. All exceptional dancers, one of their members is thought to have created the moonwalk before Michael Jackson. They soon started to grow independent and write on their own solo songs, and for others, including James Ingram. This hit would make it to number 44 on the Hot 100 and number 8 R&B. Yeah. I knew the group from the information, and then that song started, and I was like, mm, 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 that's A Night to Remember by Shalimar. That is correct, Carrie. Woo woo. Nice. Honestly, one of my favorite songs of the 80s, full stop. It's, it's good. So good. It's so good. <laughs> it's good. I listen to it at least twice a week. 
I love it. And the video is so great because it's one of those, like, the lyrics pay attention to what's going on in the song. So they're, like, at this, like, swanky hotel lounge and they're, like, trying to make... It's it's so great. I love Aww. it so much. Yeah, but A Night to Remember, incredible, incredible song. And congratulations, Carrie. Good Thank job. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Number four. This Ohio group would contain two members who would immeasurably influence soul music for decades to come, writing and producing some of the most enduring songs of all time. But before that, they were an R&B group trying to find their way among the many innovators at Solar Records. Under this name, they'd only make it to the Hot 100 on two occasions, once all the way to number 10, and this one went to number 77, but number three, R&B. On the description, I was going to guess the Gap Band, but I don't think it's them. So I don't have a guess for the band or the song, and it hurts me. Okay, Carrie, do you have any guesses? I think the group is The Deal. That is correct. It is oh The my Deal. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> they said The Deal in the song, Joe. They did? <laughs> yes. Oh. I clocked that was Babyface singing. Really? I don't know the name of the song. Is the song called The Deal? <laughs> no, the song is called... You Are In My Deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The song is called body talk oh and it is great I, I thought i might give it away because i said they made the hot 100 on two occasions two occasions oh god, god damn yeah, it you did. my I god i didn't even realize that and i owned every babyface cd from late 80s through the 2000s so mm-hmm. this is a dark moment <laughs> in my time in my life it's hard to get these things on the fly sometimes says the woman with five points <laughs> But yeah, the deal had both Babyface and Ellie mm-hmm. Reed in the yep. in the van, and it's just like they, they were not going to stick around too long. They were responsible for every hit in the '90s, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great job, Carrie. Thank you. This is going to be number five. This Minneapolis group would feature too many Hall of Famers to name, but a pair of super producers are who we want to highlight today: the Shades, the Hats. You know these two. But they were in the background at this point for this group, who hit number 88 on the Hot 100, but number 2 on the R&B chart, their highest charter on the R&B chart for the whole decade, above many other pop hits of theirs. This is not fair. This is the time. And the song is (laughs) 7775311. Is that what it is? I was trying to sing it because I can't remember the numbers. It definitely starts with 777. Oh, God. Rude. I should have just. (laughs) Joe, I'm going to give you an opportunity at at the title of this song. I I can't do it. All I knew was that it was a number. And I just played this and talked about it the other day. It's seven 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 ninety three eleven. Ninety thousand oh. one number. 
I'd give it to you if you weren't so far ahead. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that Price is Right game. It's like, ladies, do I have four numbers right? Honk. Honk. <laughs> but unfortunately, ladies, you did not have seven numbers right. But you were so close. I know mm. that is a great one. By the time, too, definitely needs to get more play in general. I like it so much better than the other ones right. they have. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I love the time in general. Sure. But, yes. Yeah. Of but yeah. But yeah, that's a great one. Okay, number six. This duo went back to Motown with their songwriting skills, working on songs that soundtracked much of the 60s and 70s, but would only come to no fame as performers in the 80s with a hard-hitting 1984 hit. That peaked at number 12 in the Hot 100 and was an R&B number one. This one peaked at number 56 on the Hot 100 and number nine R&B. Michael, this is Ashford and Simpson. Yes, it is. But I don't know the name of the song. Uh, Carrie, do you know the name of this song? I don't know the name of the song. I didn't know it was Ashford and Simpson. This song is called Street Corner. Okay. It's one of their bigger hits of the 80s when they started really performing like in a pop way. But this is actually before Solid. It's a great song. Definitely check it out if you've never heard oh, it yeah. I'm writing it down right now. Yeah. And can I get a bonus point? Because I just told my husband last night, we were watching videos, and I said, I hope this is not too morbid. But I was like, you know what? We watched Solid. Um, and I said, this is the song I want played at my funeral. Oh, <laughs> okay. No, I think about that kind of <laughs> stuff, too. I get I it. I love it. I love that song. I feel like it had so many meanings to so many people that I know and love that I think they would appreciate it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. I was just, when I was making the quiz, I was thinking about how much I love Solid <laughs> in this era of Atrium and for sure. Okay, so bonus point for me. Just kidding. It's, it's three... <laughs> Who's keeping score? I'm not, I'm not I'm, seeing that on my <laughs> ledger here. I apologize. I think it's three to six. I only have five, I think. Sweet. Yeah, you're not out of the running yet, Joe. <sighs> okay, so the score right now is three Joe, five carry. They're getting a little harder now. Oh, so. boy. <sighs> Number seven. This iconoclastic diva in Studio 54 regular is one of a kind. This song, despite being among her best-known singles, did not chart at all in the United States Mm. and only reached number 56 in the UK. However, it has endured in her brilliant catalog and even found a second life as a sample on an intensely sexual duet from a Queens rapper in the 1990s. No way That sounds like Grace Jones to me. It is Grace Jones. That is correct. I don't know the name of the song. Um, and I'm going to guess Laid Back just based on the lyrics. That is not the name of the song, Joe. Okay. Do you have a guess? I don't, but was it sampled by L. Cool J in doing it? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I'll give you a 
fake bonus point on that. <laughs> right. Okay. In parentheses. But the song is My Jamaican Guy. Oh, um, interesting. Definitely look it up. Definitely look up the video. It's Grace Jones, so <laughs> just be prepared for that. Thought I heard like a panther growling in the background. <laughs> I thought it was my dog behind me. I was like, what's happening? Yeah. But My Jamaican Guy, incredible song. I, I'm surprised it didn't really chart that well because, I mean, there was a lot of momentum behind it. There's video, but it has definitely endured as like one of her like most notable songs. I was going to say, I was hoping it was pull up to the bumper because that one I could have gotten. That one would have been a gimme. I couldn't, I couldn't give you that one. Okay, this is number eight. These Boston brothers formed this funky hip-hop group in the early 1980s. Following the conclusion of this group, the brothers went on to found two Boston boy band institutions, with one of the brothers assuming a militaristic persona. But with regard to this group, this otherworldly song went to number 12. It did not chart on the Hot 100. Rock in the house for you. This sucks because I feel like I know the name of the guy that you're talking about who found in those other bands, but I don't know the name of the, if he was in a group, I don't know the name of it. I would just guess Star, and my guess for the name of the song is UFO. I'm sorry, neither of those are correct. (sighs) Carrie, do you have a shot in the dark guess, or are you like a super expert and you're going to blow me away? (laughs) Uh, no, I'm not a super expert. I know that, yes, you're talking about Maurice Starr and his brother who went on to create New Edition and New Kids on the Block. Um, and I knew this at one time because I was obsessed with New Kids on the Block. <laughs> mm. um, and I even knew the name of this group that they were in beforehand. I just keep thinking Star Point, which is not right, obviously. And it's it's bothering me that I can't remember. So I don't know. Okay, okay, guys. That was the Johnson crew. Yes, the Johnson uh, crew! Spelled with a Z! <laughs> yes, featuring Maurice Starr, a.k.a. Larry Johnson, his real name, and then Michael Johnson, a.k.a. Michael Johnson. And they were brothers, and there was actually some other Johnsons in there, too. And the song is called Space Cowboy. What in the world? It sounded fun. I want to listen to it. (laughs) You think it's fun? Watch the video for Space Cowboy. (laughs) It is 100% like we're just on a set with a bunch of cowboy stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just 100% 80s cheese. It is imperative that you post it on the Facebook (laughs) because it's very good. Okay. Told you they're getting a little harder now. Number nine. Before becoming maybe rap's most successful producer, and even before becoming a gangster rapper, this Super Bowl performer was a part of an L.A. funk and electro group. This bedroom jam would peak at number 84 on the Hot 100 and 30 on the R&B chart. Like a melancholic dancer for you, I dance. With nothing but a G-string on my hip Your kiss and touch I'd slowly collect For they would be my tip As parts of your body I'd slowly kiss And 
I feel like I should be able to come up with a guess just based on the information, but I'm lost. That was crazy. I do not know. Not even going to venture a guess here. I mean, you said like gangster rapper, Super Bowl performer. I mean, is this like very recent? I don't even know who performed on Saturday. Everyone or Sunday, everyone is talking about it. All I know is Eminem was there. Dr. Dre, 50 Cent. I mean, all those people are too. No, I don't know. Okay. All right, Joe, do you have a guess? Digital Underground? <sighs> no, that is no? not Joe. Oh, my God. This was before that. So that was the World Class Reckon Crew. Okay. Featuring Dr. Dre. Dr. Oh, Dre was man. a f- member of that group. What? As well as DJ Yella. But yeah, th- th- this is before NWA. They were in a group called the World Class Reckon Crew. And that song was called Turn Off the Lights. <laughs> In parentheses, and then I bite. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was wild. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so it's actually really funny, like, when Dr. Dre would get into rap feuds in the 90s, they would, like, bring up, be like, hey, remember this? Oh my god. (laughs) And they would show, like, the pictures of him in all silver, like, bodysuits and, like, you know, makeup, because they were, like, super crazy and glammed out Mm -hmm. when they were doing a lot of this Electro stuff. But uh, Dr. Dre is almost 60, so. You know what? He's laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, exactly. He probably has an outfit made of real silver that he can wear now. (laughs) At this point, yeah. All right, so those are pretty hard, but I think you'll get number 10. Oh, boy. While most people pay attention to the incredible performers and groups that spun out of this Boston group, one of their members would go on to be a major songwriter and producer in the 90s with groups like Boys to Men, Another Bad Creation, and The East Coast Family. This group had a bevy of hits, but this one went to number one on the R&B charts but only 44 on the Hot 100. On a perfect day, I know that I can count on you. This sucks because I had a guess based on the info, and then the song sounds like something else. Well, just go with your gut. Did you give a year at all for the song? No, but I can. It was 1988. Is it New Edition? It is New Edition. Do you know the song? Can You Stand the Rain? Yes, it is, Ah! Joe. (laughs) I love Can You Stand the Rain. It is such an iconic ballad. And I really didn't want to give away the clue when I said the 90s groups. I wanted to be like, boys to men, ABC, BDD. East Coast family. But yeah, that is the quiz. I believe the scores are Five to six with Carrie just edging out Joe. Oh my gosh, who would have believed it, Joe? <laughs> I'm gonna go walk into the sea. <laughs> no, you both did a great job. I mean, there were some tough ones there, some yeah. ones you definitely didn't know, but I hope that you will now listen to all the time, especially turn out the lights. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Uh, oh my god. Michael, did you listen to the podcast by Dave Holmes called Waiting for Impact? No, I haven't listened to it yet, but they cover one of the groups that was supposed to be a part of that uh Michael Bivens, the, yep. the mm-hmm. sudden impact. Yeah, I haven't listened to it. Have you listened to it? 
Yeah, it's great. Really, really great. I kept telling Joe to listen to it, and he never did. Um, so both of you now can catch up on that. Very interesting. Very interesting and takes some, like, turns. Like, it's not just about that. Like, he uses them and Michael Bivens and that whole experience to kind of talk about the 90s in general. It was really fun. Oh, no, I'm definitely game. I definitely want to listen. Oh, well, that was super fun. Thank you, Michael, for bringing that quiz to us. I loved it. And yes, I wrote down all of the songs and I'm going to so go I. listen to them. With stars by the ones we have to check out the video. Yep. Going to watch some videos later tonight. Going to put on uh, Space Cowboy <laughs> and rock out. This should have been our Valentine's Day show. I'd say put on that guy album. Get a bottle of champagne. Yes. Well, that's all we have for this week. Joe, anything else you want to tell the listeners? Nope, I got nothing. But I did want to also give my thank you to Michael for the quiz because that was fun. And Carrie needs to get quizzed. And Lord knows I haven't done it yet, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm always here to help if you want a quiz or Joe. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was fun because I would have liked to have won, of course, but... They weren't gimmies, you know what I mean? And we learned and we get to hear stuff for the first time too. So that's the best kind of quiz, in my opinion. Yeah, and even the people that I had come up with um, in my mind that I was going to guess didn't come up. So they may be in a future quiz, like Kashif and Narada Michael Walden. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Joe, next week we are doing a supersized Just a Bit Outside, but with a twist. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it for you right now. You got to tune in and find out. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. And uh, that's it for today. I will take it out. I'll say thanks to Michael again. Mm-hmm. And I will say thanks to everyone for listening. And I will say, please be kind to yourself, be kind to others. And uh, most importantly, right now, be safe. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye.